Shining City Audio, a John Meacham and C-13 original studio. February 28, 1860. Lincoln at Cooper Union, Part 2. I'm John Meacham, and this is Reflections of History. It was, as my friend the Lincoln scholar Harold Holzer has argued, the speech that made Lincoln president. Never before or since in American history, Holzer wrote in one of his many landmark works on Lincoln, has a single speech so dramatically catapulted a candidate toward the White House. Cooper Union proved a unique confluence of political culture, rhetorical opportunity, technological innovation, and human genius. In the address, Lincoln noted that the slave-owning interests wanted to suppress, quote, all declarations that slavery is wrong, whether made in politics, in presses, in pulpits, or in private. We must arrest and return their fugitive slaves with greedy pleasure. We must pull down our free state constitutions. The whole atmosphere must be disinfected from all taint of opposition to slavery before they will cease to believe that all their troubles proceed from us. Lincoln made a critical point as he moved toward his conclusion at Cooper Union. Most of them would probably say to us, let us alone, do nothing to us, and say what you please about slavery. But we do let them alone, have never disturbed them, so that after all, it is what we say which dissatisfies them. It is what we say. The very assertion of the rightness or wrongness of slavery was a source of agitation. Lincoln noted, their thinking it right and we thinking it wrong is the precise fact upon which depends the whole controversy. Little wonder, then, that the White South reacted out of fear and pride and anger when it heard words of those like Lincoln, who saw an entire way of life as founded not on a good, but on an evil. Lincoln closed his address nobly. Wrong as we think slavery is, we can yet afford to let it alone where it is, but can we, while our votes will prevent it, allow it to spread into the national territories and to overrun us here in these free states? If our sense of duty forbids this, then let us stand by our duty, fearlessly and effectively. Let us have faith that right makes might, and in that faith let us to the end dare to do our duty as we understand it. The next day, Horace Greeley's Tribune reported, since the days of Clay and Webster, no man has spoken to a larger assemblage of the intellect and mental culture of our city. No man ever before made such an impression on his first appeal to a New York audience. Lincoln spoke the next day in Providence, Rhode Island, to a crowd in the city's railroad hall that had come, a journalist put it, to hear the great champion of republicanism in Illinois. Over the next two weeks, Lincoln greeted voters and addressed audiences in New England before returning to New York. I have been unable to escape this toil, Lincoln wrote his wife from Exeter, New Hampshire, on Sunday, March 4th. If I had foreseen it, I think I would not have come east at all. This last point was that of a man who was tired, not one who truly regretted the many large and appreciative audiences, as well as the resulting publicity. The speech at New York, being within my calculation before I started, went off passably well and gave me no trouble whatever, he recalled. 
The difficulty was to make nine others before reading audiences who had already seen all my ideas in print. But this was the price of the life Lincoln had chosen. To repeat himself many times over, to greet each new person in each new city as if the world revolved around that person in that city, to worry about the polish of each performance. Lincoln left New York for Springfield on the morning of Monday, March 12th, boarding the Erie Railroad. The Tribune wrote, Mr. Lincoln has done a good work and made many warm friends. He would need them all and more as attention moved to the Republican National Convention in Chicago set for May. Lincoln's ambition was evident. The taste is in my mouth a little, he confessed to a friend in April, and he liked his chances. After Cooper Union, he wasn't alone. We hazard nothing in saying that no man, the Chicago Press and Tribune wrote, has ever risen so rapidly to political eminence in the United States. Thank you for listening to Reflections of History, a creation of Shining City Audio, a C-13 Originals and John Meacham Studio. Reflections of History is executive produced by me, John Meacham, and Chris Corcoran, Chief Content Officer and Founding Partner of Cadence 13. Production and editing led by Lloyd Lockridge, Margot Gray, and Chris Basil. Production assistance by Andy Jaskowitz and Adam Macias. Cadence 13 is an Odyssey company. Be kind to your mind with guided meditations from the Meditation for Women podcast. Your mental health benefits from sleeping better, releasing anxiety, and gaining clarity, all of which are benefits of meditation. And since this is Mental Health Awareness Month, give yourself the gift of meditations. All you have to do is press play and close your eyes. Listen to Meditation for Women on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 